What's up, Military Millionaires? Today's episode is with Naaman Taylor, and we are going to talk through how you can use your VA loan to buy some investments like a fourplex that needs work, but also, and maybe more importantly, how to use the Burr strategy or just invest in real estate in general from not only long distance, but from out of the country. And Naaman has figured out how to do this. He's done a great job. He was recently featured on the Bigger Pockets Rookie Podcast. And we dig into a lot of good stuff on here, some mindset stuff. And it's just a really solid interview. And you'll get to hear Alex and I poke jabs at each other throughout. So that's always fun. Hey, if you haven't done so already, I'd love to ask you guys to just leave us a short review on your favorite platform, five stars, preferably, you know, unless we suck, in which case maybe just don't leave us a review. Uh -huh. um, but a five star review on iTunes or Spotify or, or Amazon Music, we're on Amazon Music now, but maybe whatever your favorite platform is. And then don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified of all our new episodes and also just you know, follow us on social media. We're here to help you guys out. And this whole podcast is free. All you got to do is tune in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. You're cleared to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. What's up, military billionaires? I am here today as your host, David Perret, and I have my co-host, Alexander Felice, in his wonderful pink shirt that he picked out for this episode as well as basically every other episode. I don't know if he actually watches that shirt. And today's guest is Naaman Taylor, who was recently featured on the Bigger Pockets Rookie Podcast. But Naaman, Staff Sergeant Naaman Taylor, is currently active duty Army. He's stationed in Germany right now. And he's a real estate investor who's been using the VA loan. And then now he's doing long distance burr, investing the buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat, and using these to build wealth. But he's doing it from Germany, which I think is really cool because I mean, realistically, like it's one thing to say long distance investing when you're in the same country, for some reason it's, and, and understandably so, it's a little bit harder to justify that when you're out of country. And a lot of people all come to me with questions. So it's going to be fun because we get to poke some holes in those uh, excuses and tell you guys why and how you can invest that way. So uh, Naaman, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I like that you said we're going to poke some holes in those excuses because I live with a no excuse mentality. I like it. I like it. Tell us a little bit about uh, your story for how you got started in real estate investing and kind of bring us up to date on where you're at right now. All right. Yeah, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, my mom rented her whole life. We were on Section 8 and stuff like that. So when I had the chance to actually buy myself a home in my first house, I jumped right at it. The first thing I bought was a, a VA loan uh, duplex in Harker Heights, Texas. I was just got promoted to staff sergeant. I was able to finally get my own place. So I decided that I didn't want to pay rent and that I also didn't want to pay my mortgage. So I tried to find the best way I could to avoid, you know, giving people my money. So I, I bought a duplex and I lived on one side, rented the other thing, had a roommate. Uh, that was like the ultimate house hack. I hired a property management company to handle the, all the expenses. And cause I was, I mean, I was really young. This was in 2014. I didn't have any experience with owning a home, let alone managing a property. So I tried to give away as much responsibility as possible. Then I also bought a single family home, used my VA loan a year and a half after that. House hacked that by renting single rooms out to some of my friends. 
and ended up cash flowing some of that and not even paying utilities or anything. It was a really good setup for me. And I ended up, I was able to save a lot of money. So my first couple of deals were all VA loans and I've, I've used it again recently. I just love that, that VA loan as an investment tool. That's awesome. Have any of your uh, military service members uh, tracked you on this? Like, does anybody, I could, I didn't do this when I was in the army, but um, when I did it on my personal side, I had to, you know, a lot of my friends just would not participate. And so like my social circle had to change a little bit. Um, have you, what, what's your been experience doing this full time? Like the people at work, you know, what do they say? Uh, they want to do it with you. Do they resent you? Is it awkward? No, n not so much resentment, just more skeptical. They're all like, I don't know. I'm not giving this guy any of my money to go buy a house in, in Texas. We live in Germany. Like that sounds crazy to them, you know? So I, I'm trying to help them understand, like I have a system in place. I've, I've done this 10 times. You know, this isn't guesswork. I've, I've got a proven model from top to bottom that works. And I mean, all they really need to do is just learn and, and have some money basically to, to, to do it. Cause I'm not charging them anything to do it. And I could, I would literally would just give them all the tools that they have because I truly believe that in the army, maybe not even just the army, but in the military, we don't make enough money. So you got to find ways to create more income. Some of these guys, they, they want to do it. I work with a, full, a few of them on some deals. I've partnered with a lot of people to do a few deals and some people don't want to have anything to do with it. For sure. Yep. Yeah. I yeah, learning and having money and being in the army, the very not but not very compatible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are those are three things that that don't usually fit together. You're the only one. So, You're the but, only one. <laughs> yeah, there there's a handful of us, I'd say that. <laughs> there's definitely some people who can do well. Like, you know, I I always I always like to poke fights with people, not fights, but when they, uh, when they say that you don't make any money in the military, because you know, there's obviously there's a ton of benefits and it, it, it kind of depends on perspective, right? Like if, if you're 18, it's like, well, you might not make a ton of money in the military, but you're doing better than the kid who paid a hundred grand to go to college. Right. So like, there's a, there's a definite give and take there, but yeah, you got to be creative and you got to do a lot of learning if you want to really understand like how to turn that into wealth, as opposed to just like, a new Mustang or, or whatever the, the cool thing is that everyone goes and blows their money on. Cause I think that's the real problem, right? It's like, we have this culture in the military of like spending our money on dumb crap and then being like, Oh yeah, we don't have any money. Ah, well, yeah. You might not make a million dollars a year, but uh, the reason you're broke is your fault. <laughs> so yeah, I, I drive a $2,000 car and I'm getting close to a $2 million portfolio. So it's like, what, what do you want? You want your $25,000 car and you have no, nothing else. That's Ferrari like, and a what rental do you, what, house. What do you, yeah, what do you want, man? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the another reason why I brought that up is like, um, you know, I don't know if you plan on staying in, but uh, there's not that many mentors in the military that teach you, well, look, you know, it's like, you're going to figure out real quick, like I can make more money in real estate than I could in the military, so I'm going to get out. Um, but it would be nice if they had, if there were some mentors who were in, guys like David, um, who the younger guys can look at and be like, look, you can do this while you're in. In fact, the military gives you a fantastic safety net. So you're like, look, I can parlay all this cash into this. Not really as risky as people think, but um, certainly more so uh, than a W-2 uh, buying real estate. And so like, I can parlay this safety. I can take the, the safety net from the military and parlay it into uh, a risk income producing, a risky income producing 
um, you know, avenue like real estate. So I think it's fantastic. Yeah, to answer your question, I, I plan on doing my own years so I can get my retirement. I'm, I've already done 11. I joined the Army when I was 18 years old. So I've, I've spent most of the years, those years that you don't know what you want to do, doing this. And it actually ended up being a good thing because I don't have too much longer to go. And I think I can build a lot of wealth over the next nine years to where when I'm done with the military and I'm getting my six grand a month or whatever they're going to end up giving me after you know retirement medical. Now I'm also making 20 grand a month from real estate. I think that's a good ratio for me and it's worth my time because they're going to pay me the rest of my life. For sure. Yeah. Well, if you already have 11 in, stay. Yeah. I think everybody should just do three or four. You get so many good benefits from it. You mentioned that on one of the podcasts I listened to you talk. You're like, every, just do three or four years. You get your GI Bill, your VA loan, you get some experience, you might get to travel. And who cares? You're 18 to 22. That's perfect time to do all this. Am I wearing pink? Did we switch roles today? What gives? You're like agreeing with stuff and I'm going to be the one who gets to poke in and say, hey, I'm at 12, Jerko, and I'm walking into the reserves next year. So I, I agree with you, though. Like it's, it's it, at where you're at right now, where I was a year ago in, in time and service, the question that, the, that you're wrestling with is less of a do I have to stay in the military? Because if I don't, I'm going to like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do to survive. Right. Like a lot of people reenlist and reenlist and reenlist because they get to a point where they're like, I don't know what else I do, but you're in kind of the same boat I'm in where it's like, do I want to stay in the military because I enjoy it still and I want the pension or do I want to walk out? Because you could, you realistically could probably make the transition next year, the year after into the reserves if you wanted to. And I think that's kind of the spot, like the sweet spot we want people in. Like we want people in our situation where it's like, I love the army or the Marine Corps, so I'm going to stick around, but I don't have to anymore. So I can, I can focus on that. And anyway, all that to say, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in similar boat, but I'm actually going to be going to be jumping ship next year because I just personal reasons, I guess, but, um, watch out. <laughs> that's it. I'm quitting. I can't handle, uh, you know, eight more years of what I've already put in 12 years of. <laughs> so Seven. Yeah, hey, it's not it's not for everybody to stay active duty the whole time. I don't, you know, I don't disagree with that. I, I battled with that for a few years myself. Yeah, thinking about it back and forth, especially when you can get medically retired. You know, it's, it's on the table for almost everybody. So, Namon, right, are so, you? Uh, oh, sorry, guy. No, your question is probably better. Are you producing content right now? How did BP find out about you? Uh, I just, man, to be honest with you, I didn't really listen to a whole lot of bigger pockets before. Uh, I hit them up. I just filled out a thing and said, Hey, I'll come on your show. I didn't even know how big they were or anything like that. I just wanted to get, I was like, I'll just get on this show. I, I was like, Philippe and Ashley seems like they're cool. I'll just jump in there. And uh, they, they sent me an email back. Like what's interesting about you? And I was like, well, I do these things. I invest from Germany, 5,000 miles away in Fort Worth, Texas and Colleen around the base. I'm active duty military. And they were like, Oh cool. Yeah. You can come on the show. <laughs> That's funny. That's a, that's a good testament for effing trying. So many people just don't ever try at all. Goodness gracious. Yeah, Look, if you let anybody on there. If you'd known, oh, you know, <laughs> you only have the same number of times that you've been on that show as me. So, uh, no, so it, that's funny though, because if you didn't know, like if you had known what Bigger Pockets is, you might not have even tried. Like, I think a lot of people are scared to apply to be on one of their podcasts. And it's like, dude, like, like the Bigger Pockets rookie podcast is looking for people 
who may not have 10 years of experience, right? So like you'd be the perfect fit. You'd be amazed if you have something unique about your story. Like, so that's cool that you just, maybe ignorance is bliss. And you were like, Oh yeah, cool. little show. Yeah. Little did you know? Um, I'm just, I'm just about that action, man. I'm like, Hey, if I see something I want to do, I'm just going to go do it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, I had just got started in bird strategy like earlier this year. And I was like, I think I can get on this episode. I got a pretty cool, interesting thing going on. Um, I started in June and we've done so much stuff in just a few short months. And I was like, and I can add that VA stuff that I, that was my strategy. I was going with for a long time was VA stuff. And I didn't know anything about Brandon Turner and birth strategy and any of that. Once I saw that, I was like, I can totally do that. I'm capable of, of doing all those things. So I just got started and then hopped on that podcast and that was it. And I started putting out a couple of videos here and there. I try to put out real videos though. Not like that. I made $80,000 on this flip stuff, you know, like lean, lean you get all those, Ferrari. those are all cool videos. Right. And they have a place, but like, there's some people I put out a video that was like how I made $40 in rent this month. Cause I had to pay my property management company. And like, it's a real video. Cause no one talks about that. And I was like, I'll try to put out some of that kind of stuff. So people realize it's not all just, you know, all wins. There are a few things that you have to do to succeed and, and some trials and tribulations you have to go through with some of these properties. All right. So you didn't read Alex Felice's book on long distance burr investing because he hasn't written it yet, but I'm going to get Alex to write a book. So I don't know if that's the book yeah. that's going to happen, but maybe it'll be a self-help book, but um, <laughs> sorry, that's a, just a subtle jab. Uh, I saw so, that. I saw that self-help book. <laughs> Alex is not a big self-help book fan. So it'd be hilarious and ironic if he ever wrote one, but what got you into the Burr strategy and how did you, like you said, you started doing it in June. So you didn't, not only did you like not like, are you doing long distance Burr, but you started while you were already across another ocean. So I'm curious kind of what got you into that strategy and how that looked that you've done so many in just the last few months. Dude, honestly, COVID, um, March, I bought an Xbox. I hadn't played video games in like seven years. I was just really dedicated to my job. I was like creating stuff for my job and stuff. Then COVID hit and like work slowed down. I have anything to do. So I started playing like Call of Duty with some of my friends. And I was like, this isn't for me either. And so I started like watching YouTube and learning some stuff. And then I, I ran, I just clicked and randomly came across um, a few real estate podcasts. And I was always, always really interested in it. And I knew about it because I have done some VA deals. So I was like, okay, I, I, since I can't use my VA loan from here, how else can I do it? So I knew I could flip houses, but I didn't really understand the whole refinancing out of it and keeping them. So I started in June because I had saved some money. I had sold a house, one of my VA homes, and I had a bunch of cash. So I was like, all right, now what do I do? Now that I got my money, so I wasn't in a rush either. I was just like, now that I got my money, I had done a bunch of research and I knew the area that I was investing in, in, in Harker Heights and Colleen around Fort Hood, where I had just came from. And I was like, I think I could do some deals there. So I started there by just kind of doing some lipstick stuff, painting and um, fixing countertops and renting those places out around there. And then I reached out to my mentor, uh, whose podcast you guys are just on, Josiah Smelzer. I just reached out to him on Instagram because I, I listened to his episode and I was like, I think I could get along with him. So I reached out and he hadn't done any coaching or mentoring before, but I was like, uh, could you please just like hear me out? Me and you should talk. So we talked a bunch of times and I got some good advice and strategy from him. And I started plugging, plugging away in the Fort Worth area. And then I closed on my first single family burr 
um, at the end of June. And since then, I've partnered up with two of my other friends and we've done nine deals. And we're going to keep keep going, obviously. It's not that hard once you figure out who's going to fix your house and if you have some money. So, uh, how are you? Uh, are you leaving them on borrowed money or you put them on the long term debt? Uh, long term, do 30 years fixed stuff. Um, to, to get the deals done, though, I've done some cash. I saved some money and then uh, I got some investors, and now I use hard money for some of my deals as well. Uh, and you're financing with Fannie Mae mortgages? Yep. I did a, uh, I bought, I bought one foreclosure of Freddie Mac in Oklahoma that I'm going to go live in soon. Okay. But, um, what's your plan when you, you can only get 10 of those. Are you going to, are you working on, uh, commercial? I, I get, I get 20 because, uh, I'm married. My wife can get me about 10 more of those if, if need be, but I don't plan on owning more than that anyway. Uh, I don't want to have 60 single family, but I do plan on going into that commercial side soon. I just want to get a little bit more net worth and I want to get my friends 10 houses as well so that I can do uh, big commercial deals with them. That's part of one of my goals is getting my friends rich too, not just necessarily me making a bunch of money. And I, I think I can do that with all of us getting 10 single family houses and cash flowing and here in about 10 years, everybody will have them all paid off and you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, to answer your question, I do want to get in the commercial side and probably in the middle of next year, I'll, I'll try and take that leap. Yeah, that's what I did. I just started taking other people. That's exactly what I did, actually. I said, I'm going to buy a few of these houses. It goes well. Let me buy some for other people, make them some money, and then they can parlay that cash into bigger deals with me. Yeah, that's that's it right there. That, that's exactly it. That's perfect. That's the perfect strategy in my mind. Um, not that they owe you anything, but they also want to keep working with it because you made them some money. You know, Owe you. It's the law of reciprocity. Like, yeah, that, if that you too. make them money and you're a good dude and they've done deals with you, like they're naturally going to give back to you. Yeah, you, you you give the more you give in this business, the more you get. So I try I also to wanna, give away. I want a side note for like two seconds because you said something in there that I tell people all the time when it comes to like podcasting or YouTube or starting a brand or starting anything. And you said that you listened to Josiah Smeltzer talking and you just thought that from listening to his podcast or whatever that you might get along. So you reached out. And I think that that's something like what I bring that up because. Alex and I talk about content and producing content a lot. And that just goes to show right there that you had never met the guy. You're not from his market and you just heard him talking. And because you heard him talking and got a vibe for his personality, you were like, yeah, this is a good guy to reach out to. So if you're thinking about doing some kind of content out there, that should be really all you need to know. Like you will attract people that are like you just by putting yourself out there as yourself. So cool. A uh, little sidebar, but we can, I think that's powerful. Yeah, a lot of people are a little afraid to take that leap. They're they're worried more that someone's either not going to read their message or that uh, they're just gonna it's not they're not gonna be heard or seen. And like you'd be surprised in this real estate world how many people are so giving. And and you know, I I try I try to be one of those people as well. That's why I reached out to him because I was like, sounds like a good guy. I, I think uh, me and him could could have some stuff in common. And it turned out to be very true. And I was just on his podcast. It released yesterday. Like that, that's, and we're like, we're like friends now. It's a good, this is a good dude. This is all worked out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's amazing how many people you can be friends with if you just actually freaking try and your motives are pure. Like people reach out to me all the time, just like David. Right. And like, sometimes people just ask for stuff and that's fine. You know, I help as long as, um, as long as it's easy, I'm not working harder for somebody else than they'll work for themselves. 
But if somebody yeah. asks me something, whatever, but then if somebody wants to come out and be like, hey, look, like, let's be best friends. I'm like, well, let's see, you know, I'm, let's <laughs> make, we might be best friends, right? And I do the same thing. If I look at somebody on the internet and I'm like, that person, I need to be, I need to be up that person's ass. I need to be friends with that person. It's like, bro, rejection is so easy to take on the internet. Oh, you didn't like my email? Okay, well, moving on. That yeah, didn't hurt at all. <laughs> they might not even <laughs> tell you. Yeah. Even if you ask. What's funny <laughs> is, is uh, I had didn't reach out to anyone else. I went one for one. Like I didn't email a bunch of people like, Hey, can you be my mentor? I just emailed one person that I watched and I, and I, and I, I chose cause I had watched a bunch of episodes, but I chose to reach out to that person in particular. Not, not let me blast a hundred people, which might be a good strategy too. Cause you might figure out, you know, who's going to actually reach back to you if you don't care who it is. But mine was based off of a personality and what I heard them say. Well, and more importantly, on the networking piece, if you're trying to build that way, what I would recommend to anyone who does this is if you reach out to people and you get rejected, ask why, right? Learn, learn what could make things. So not that it helped, it didn't. I kind of joked about this a minute ago, but I, so I reached out to, uh, I won't name names, but some, <laughs> some, some billionaire um, guy who had, I found out had a millionaire, millionaire or a, a military background. So I was like, oh, this guy would be perfect for the show. And I got declined very politely, but I asked his assistant, like, okay, awesome. What could I do to make myself more competitive in the future? What would make the podcast seem more, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, I have no idea what his decision making is. And I'm like, okay, great. But I have had a lot of people give me really solid advice from that when I ask that question. And that's like the one extra step that nobody takes, right? Because you're going to have people who either ignore you or say, no, not right now. So the question is like, okay, great. What can I do to make myself more approachable, more valuable mm -hmm. for you. And if you can do that, like you're going to bat closer to hundred percent on networking with people who are quote out of your league, except no one's out of your league. You're just doubting yourself. Yeah. But um, anyway, so all that to say, yeah, it's amazing. The power that comes from being able to just reach out to someone online these days. Yeah. Even, even when I reached out to uh, real estate old school a few months ago, and then we, we've been talking back and forth the whole time. I was listening to his episode of, of yours on here. And he actually told me before his episode released, he was like, you need to hit that David Perret up and get on, that's around, get on his podcast. <laughs> you know, he was like, you need to get on there. Cause we were talking and he was just telling me like what he was up to and stuff and told me he was coming on here. And he's like, yeah, you're a military guy. Cause he had like shouted me out one time. He's like, you should go talk to David Perret. And then it's funny enough, my friend from Shaq, uh, my friend Shaq from Smart Money Approaches, the one that put us together. And yeah. I was like, this, this real estate world, as big as it is, and as many people as there are, uh, everyone's intertwined somehow, one way or another. Yeah, well, Shaq's another guy who, he shot me an email one day out of nowhere. And he brought a lot of value, and we started talking, and, you know, we, we hit it off from that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, he's I just like that. To, <laughs> I just want to say that even if you do reach out to somebody who's out of your league, they might just help you out of charity, kind of like, when David asked me to be the co-host of Military Millionaire, like it's, I'm way out of his, <laughs> he does not deserve me. There's no way in hell that I should be doing this show, but I'm so charitable. And now look, look, look how far I've taken him. Oh my God. You're so welcome, David. So you just never know. You know, you got to try, reach out. People will, uh, people will help you <laughs> for a lot of different reasons. Exactly what it is. <laughs> yes. For those of you who would like to find Alex's original podcast where he helps people uh, talk about an adventure they started and hope they were going to be around after the year, uh, he only made it through the first season, so I guess he didn't make it. And here he is now. <laughs> I, 
based off of you guys' personality, I, I could see a lot of how this podcast works. I think, <laughs> I think, I think David does all the work and then you just tune in there. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. It's fairly accurate. That's actually like our agreement. David does all the notes and Alex brings all the personality to the show. <laughs> Dude, so, I'm hey, trying to be works. somebody's personality. So if you're listening, hit me <laughs> up. <laughs> I'm trying to be the personality somewhere too. <laughs> all right, all right. So, oh, Alex, you looked like you had a question. Podcasting is a lot of work, bro. People ask me all the time, hey, do you want to do a podcast with me? Do you want to do a podcast with me? You know, I tell them, I'm like, go do 20 episodes without me first. And generally, generally, they make one. Sometimes, most of the time, they make zero. Uh, yeah, start a podcast is a lot of work. That's why I quit it. I love talking to people, but that's the easy part, honestly. Um, finding good guests, the logistics, the production, uh, the consistency, bro. Yeah, I mean, you can get yeah. somebody. I love this agreement we have with David, where I do nothing and just show up and talk smack. I mean, I'm I'm the luckiest guy. <laughs> All right, so the burst strategy. Dude, I'm I'm the same way. Yeah, I'm the same way with my burst strategy. I try to do as least as possible. I'm like a lazy yeah. investor. I mean, it's just hard to be, right? But from here, I can only do so much. So I'm having to outsource all the work, which is actually really cool because if you live there, you would probably do a lot of the work yourself or end up getting all up in the mix and painting yourself, and which is fine. You know, some people enjoy doing that kind of work, but I got a full-time job, so I'm more interested in outsourcing all the work. And I do my best to find someone to take the pictures, to, to do all the construction, the property manager to manage all the tenants i i even i use wholesalers um to find my deals so like i don't have any original anything everything is um you know from someone else and everyone can do that if they just take the time and have the patience and you, you know have a certain amount of risk tolerance uh, to to try that because I, I mean all the stuff i just like i mentioned man it all, it all comes from someone else i'm just i'm just the captain of the team i love that that's what I do. I'm the laziest investor. I'm the laziest guy I know. Um, I'm thankful that I, that I can get other people to do 100% of the work on almost all my endeavors. They were just like repeating with each other. Saying the whole time. Hey, I yeah, know, it's lazy. I know. It's awesome though. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I work hard in certain ways. I bet, I'm sure you do too, right? Like I work, yeah. I work hard on this right here, right? I work, I work real hard on my brain power. Um, and I spent a lot of time networking because those are my strengths. And it sounds like you're the same way. And it's like, dude, you know what I'm not good at? Fucking painting. You know what I'm not good at, good at is hiring laborers. Yeah. You know, I don't want to show house. I don't want to, I don't want to, do, I don't want to get my real estate license. I took the test. I failed it. I don't even feel like going back and get it again. I don't care. Right. But I know that the, the mechanics work. So it's like, look, I'll get everybody else paid. Right. Everybody will make money on my decisions. I'll take all the risk. And then we all win. Boom. Yeah, so I'm good at coming up with ideas and making decisions, but like carrying out the idea, it's like, come on, someone fill that, fill in the patchwork there, right? Like, you you, you give me all the filler stuff. Yeah, I'm. I actually, uh, it's funny that you said that. I just applied for Skillbridge. You know, the program you can do like the last six months in the military, you can intern with a company or whatever. So I just applied to be an employer mm -hmm. that can that can have interns. And the reason being that I need to find an integrator. I'm, I'm finally like, I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, yep, I can't keep doing the things that I'm coming up with. I've got to have help. And there's, there's VAs, there's outsourcing, there's all this other stuff. But like the perfect solution for me would be finding a vet 
or finding someone who's like on their way out and interning, you know, and then, and then we find a good relationship and we build that. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that that works out for me. Um, because yeah, same boat. I, I have ideas and then I'm like, yeah, we'll do that eventually. Like, yeah. <laughs> so finding those people to help you out. Yeah. How do we make that happen? That's what you could pay the big bucks for. Right. So how were you able to, you were able to outsource all this. How do you build your team from Germany? Like, did you, you already knew some people there, right? Not in Fort Worth. I just, I had a cousin of mine that lived out there. She takes pictures for me. And I try to get her to drive for dollars and find me old houses so I don't have to use wholesalers. That way I can, you know, make some more money on my deals. Uh, mm. But I use big, a big wholesale company and I have to leave money in some of these deals because I use them. But it's worth it for me because I'm not trying to get rich right now. I'm trying to get rich in 15 years, basically. So I'm buying a bunch of real estate now and letting it appreciate and collecting cash flow and letting it pay, pay itself off. So wholesaling works for me right now. When I get back to them, not probably not going to use too many wholesalers. I'll find my own deals. I think that's going to work the best for me. But I, I did a lot of calling and a lot of looking, looking uh, people up as far as uh, property management, realtor, realtors, other wholesalers, construction. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Like how to build a team. And I looked all those people up myself and got a lot of referrals. It's a big referral-based business. You can find one person and crack into a whole pipeline of people, but you have to network. You have to continue to ask the questions, get the references, get the email intros, make the phone call. So it's a, it's a lot of action, but once you get it, get it in place, it's really easy. It's just the beginning is a lot of work. So like right now I can put something under contract and get it, get it going. I don't have to do anything for like three months until it's time to refinance, right? Like, because I have the whole team in place now. But the first... Two months, I mean, I was on the phone all the time. I was so busy all the time, especially because of the time difference. I get off work at five o'clock here and it's already 10 a.m. in Texas. And now I'm working till midnight to get to make stuff happen because at midnight is, you know, five o'clock there where everybody's closing up. So it was a lot of midnights, a lot of 1 a.m.s, but now I can go to bed around 1130. <laughs> hey, guys, before we dig into today's episode, I want to talk to you briefly about the website Carrot or InvestorCarrot.com, which is a website that generates other websites for you. So you can sign up for this, you generate a website, and they create high SEO quality websites for you. Now, yeah, they charge a little bit of fee per month, but what they also do is they produce content like blog posts for you and other stuff. They help you with web design, they help you with ranking on SEO, they help put out articles with you and they help get you to rank in Google. So if you're looking to generate leads where somebody can find you when they type in sell my house fast, Carrot does an incredible job and I know a lot of wholesalers who do very, very good work and they all love this website. So I'm not going to do it justice if I try to talk to you about it in, in super detail. I'm fairly new to it. I love it. Love it. But I'm fairly new to it. But if you click the link that'll be in the description, you'll get a link to a free, they've got like a free webinar, free demo, whatever. You can check it out if you like it. Cool. If not, whatever. But this is the sponsor for today's episode is Carrot, which I am a big fan of. And have a great day. We're commencing now. Oh, if I can, if I can add uh, one of the things I'm not lazy about is being accountable for other people's living situations, because I've inherited some properties that weren't so good or in tenants whose property wasn't in such good shape. And I, I try to do my best to make sure that we fix their floors, paint their house. 
I've got some section eight tenants and a quadruplex that I have in Colleen. And some of the, even though it, it was a VA purchase, right? And we fixed one of the units up for my wife to live in for a little while, but the other units are just pretty bad. And, but it passed the VA inspection barely, right? That's kind of my strategy is to try to find, when I use VA in some places that don't appreciate as much, I try to find places that are going to barely pass that inspection so I can still add value without having to try to do like the 203K style or whatever. So I buy like the worst VA property possible so I can get it fixed up as, as good as I can to, to add value, right? But I don't take that for granted because some people are just out here in real estate for the wrong reasons, being slumlords and collecting as much rent as possible and just adding fees to everything. I also take into account that I'm accountable for, I got I have 15 doors now, I'm in charge of 15 living situations. So I do my best to make sure those properties are as nice as possible and they have the right management teams in there and take care of those tenants. Cause at the end of the day, they're the ones that's, that are actually taking care of me. Yeah. I think it's really important. Uh, there's a, there's, you know, there is a, the thrill of the hunt in real estate, uh, which is, you know, kind of the easy part in many ways. And a lot of it is, like you said, it's just a ramp up process. Like the first year when you learn how to do it, you get all the team in place. It's like, that's the fun part. And then people, well, I don't want to speak too broadly, but um, you know, the thrill of the hunt when that's over, now you're left with a 30 year responsibility that uh, is not just some mortgage note. It's somebody's living situation. Somebody lives in that house. And uh, I think it's really important that you say that take, that's a responsibility to take seriously because uh, I wonder sometimes people, um, you know, they go off on this chase the units thing and it's like, that's all good, but you're, you have a grand responsibility, a big responsibility. And, uh, it's one that should be taken very seriously. Yeah. Show some true leadership and take care of those people. <laughs> Don't just acquire as many doors as possible and get them fixed as cheap as possible all the time. You know, sometimes you, know, you got somebody's ground. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was just going to point out that I think it's cool from a philanthropic point of view. A lot of people don't like Section 8 tenants for whatever reason, which I, I've always kind of disagreed with. I've had several and I'm a fan. There's definitely some benefits, but I think it's cool that you kept Section 8 tenants given that when you first came on the show, you mentioned like you kind of grew up renting and as a Section 8 tenant. And I think it's really cool that you're like, yeah, I'm this is what I like cater to. Like I'm looking for this, I'm helping people out. Like, cause I love, I think that's a, a tenant class that, you know, people, people under undershoot and, and I love it. Um, and anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. Like, I think that's cool that you're being able to give back to, I mean, theoretically like the next you, right? Like that's super cool from a philanthropic uh, point of view. Yeah. Everybody doesn't start the race at the same point. Right. So some people are just can't afford to live in, places they, they weren't born with anything any money and some of them don't have opportunity the same way so and that, yeah. that doesn't mean that my tenants necessarily are those people but i'm not gonna kick somebody out just because they're on section eight or because they get some sort of government assistance or anything like that rent still due on the first regardless of how on, if i show anything is that section eight we're gonna keep coming regardless yeah Absolutely. I love my, I have, I think 40% of my portfolio is section eight and I love it. Yeah. I don't know what people are so fussy for. Yeah. And people don't realize like section eight has a negative connotation, but you can be a great person and be section eight. Like you don't, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 
that's a whole another conversation. Section eight's not bad. Don't judge it. Uh, but uh, Naaman, I have a question for you. We, we always ask these two questions of every guest. So the first one is, if an E1, E2, or you know, a youngster was to walk up to you asking you for advice on, on real estate investing or life in general, what would be like the one thing that you feel like you wish that they would take to heart and learn from you? Uh, that's a good question. I'd say probably to travel as much as you can. Uh, I think that some of the best people that I've ever met have been around the world or been out of the place that they grew up in and have constantly moved around because you really get to know people and you start really understanding what this life's really about. Uh, so I would say to find a way to travel. And I, I got to do that when I joined the Army at 18. I had lived in Cleveland for a little while there. I mean, some of my traveling was Iraq and Afghanistan, but some of my traveling was over here in Germany, getting to go to, you know, Greece and London and some of the other places that I've been, which is really cool. And you get to see a lot of different people, understand a lot of different culture. And I think traveling is just something that's so underrated. And that's why I do real estate as well, so that I can travel and take care of my mom. It's my, me. I can travel with my mom and my dad and everybody, you know. So that's that's another reason why I do this is so that I so that I can do those things. So I would tell them invest in real estate if, if that's something you're interested in, but find a way that you can travel and have your time free. And real estate was a tool that I used to, to do that. You said that's, that's unbelievably good advice because travel is uh, travel broadens a person's horizons, their humility yeah. and their understanding of human behavior uh, far beyond anything you can read in a book um, and helps you under, helps you appreciate people a lot more. And well, this is a people game for starters, but secondly, you got to do this whole life talking to people. So the more you understand them, the better. I think that's uh, I think that's fantastic advice, actually. Yeah. And, and you said some of that was Iraq and Afghanistan, but the reality is like the traveling, you gain this huge perspective shift, right? So you probably benefited as much, if not more from Iraq and Afghanistan and some of those not so well off countries as you did from, you know, Germany or places people want to visit. So I encourage people not only to travel, but to, to go to places that aren't on destination lists. Like that's where mm -hmm. you man you gain some real perspective about you know actually life's pretty good so yeah yeah uh, afghanistan was a very undesirable place for for <laughs> me and you start realizing like these are regular people whose lives are on the line and everyone over here is are is not a bad person it's, it's actually such a small amount you start realizing that and you're like wait a minute i was over there as a young kid i was 19 yeah happy in these terrible situations and you're like man it really puts you in perspective Agreed. A hundred percent. Yeah. People you're like, dude, these are regular people who just got the raw end. They just weren't, we, it just makes you feel really, makes me feel really grateful. I was like, dude, I was born here with the silver spoon. Mm -hmm. You go to, you go to a place like Afghanistan, which I've been to twice. Right. And it's like the poorest or up like the top, <laughs> one of the closest to the poorest countries on the planet. And you're like, they're perfectly fine people. They just weren't born here. Maybe I should stop being such an entitled piece of shit. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and start appreciating. I have, and it's uh, it's really good. All right. Yeah, Question everyone complains eight. about their oh, my bad. Everyone <laughs> complains about their nine to five, but like there are people that would love to have your job, that wish yeah. they could have the job that you have and make the money you make. So uh, maybe that help you work a little harder tomorrow <laughs> on your job that you hate. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. Question number two: What is one resource? <laughs> Hopefully. What whether that's a book, a course, or a website, or whatever, that you recommend to anybody who's looking to get started in real estate? Go. I ask that. Yeah, a, a, 
I don't read uh, too many real estate books. Uh, I put them on every now and then. I listen to some podcasts and stuff like that. But a book that really stuck with me that I read and I really love was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Uh, it, it's not a real estate book, but it's a business book. And at the end of the day, uh, real estate will end up becoming a business for you if you take it serious. So it's a good business book to teach you how to bet on yourself and how to how to leverage, right? So if you read that book, you're gonna you're gonna love the story. And it's just a and it's about Nike. So anybody doesn't know, so it's a it's not it's an interesting story. Yeah. I'm a fan of biographies and that style. I need to need to read more of them. And I, I enjoyed that book. Um, Lee Iacocca wrote a book yeah. in a very, very similar vein. Uh, it was, it was, it's old now, so it's not as popular uh, today, but it's uh, Lee Iacocca invented the Mustang and then the minivan. And then he ran uh, uh, Chrysler for a while when they were, when they came out of bankruptcy in the eighties. Uh, but it's a very similar style, those two books. So if you're looking for another mm. one, that's a good one. What's the title? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what, uh, uh, it's an autobiography. Oh, right on. I'll okay. Check that one out. He just recently passed away. Poor guy. Oh, man. All right. And the final question, the really difficult one. Where can people get a hold of you? Oh, yeah. So um, I'm mainly on Instagram, uncommon underscore denominator one. That's my handle. My wife hates my handle, but I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm most active on there. You can also find me on Facebook at Naaman Taylor, but uh, mostly all my stuff's on Instagram. So send me a message. You want to talk? We got to do some coaching stuff as well. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested to talk to anybody that wants to reach out to me. I answer everything. So hit me up. Love it. Love it. Naaman, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really enjoyed. I enjoyed talking about this stuff and getting that message out. Uh, so I'm glad. I'm glad to be able to do it on your platform. I appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. Anytime, and uh, you know, next time you're in like San Diego or the the country, let me know. Yeah, I, I love San Diego. It's actually one of my favorite places. I've been to. I went to spend some time in La Jolla and stuff like that. So I I I, uh, I love driving over that bridge and seeing the bay. It's a beautiful yeah. thing to see. You guys are lucky, Marines, San Diego. I'm going to Fort Sill, Oklahoma next. So <laughs> the next best thing. You got like yeah. I, I'm not complaining, right? Because it's so cheap there. But San Diego, <laughs> Oklahoma's a good market. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get to Oklahoma City. Well, I, I actually will be moving back to Southwest Missouri next year, so definitely hit me up when you get back to Oklahoma. All right, we'll do. We'll do. Be right around. Sounds the good. Yeah. Awesome. Have a great day, brother. All right, you too. Talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.